0: We have two guests on this episode of the podcast, Lindsay Matthews, the CEO and founder of BirthFit, and her staff member slash employee, Leah Bartow. Leah wears many hats. I'll let them explain exactly what they do because they can do it way better than I ever could. But we have a great conversation about deciphering opinion versus facts and where you find your information when you are planning to become a future parent or pregnant, the whole process. It was fantastic because there is so many things out there, and as you'll find, when you are planning to become a future parent, everybody comes out of the woodwork with their opinion, and that's just what they are, an opinion. So find out on this episode a lot more. I feel like there's a lot of information in here for anybody who's looking forward to or is already currently pregnant. Check them out on their website. It's in the show notes and all that good stuff, but I'll stop blabbering, and I hope you enjoy this wonderful episode with Lindsay Matthews and Leah Bartow. All right, there we go. Thank you both for being on. This is awesome. You're you are you're the third in my YouTube ones, by the way. This Zoom recording stuff has been fantastic like for me as a producer. So this is really, really exciting. The first like double conversation? I don't know how to explain that. Anyway. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, but thanks for being on. And uh, like I was just telling you a second ago, uh, we're expecting our – newest joiner into the family uh come October and doing all this research and trying to figure things out um I figure there's nobody better to talk to following your stuff about where getting your information how to decipher whether it's the the stuff you're taking in is legit because there's such a wide variety of information on pregnancy postpartum fitness birth the, the whole run of things
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm yeah well first thanks for having us <laughs> in the double whammy um, I appreciate that um, yeah for those listening I'm Lindsay I'm founder and CEO of BirthFit and then the other voice I'll let Leah introduce herself
2: yeah I'm Leah and I um, also work within the BirthFit staff and alongside Lindsay um especially now that she came to Texas, I, I'm somewhat closer to her. Um, but yeah, we really, um, I guess between the two of us have, you know, wear a lot of hats. Um, yeah. Lindsay wears a whole lot of hats and, and she can talk about that. And I kind of mix birth with um, owning and working in a strength and conditioning facility as a coach, um, a birth doula, Um, And really just lover of all things birth and women's health and just, you know, getting unquestioned tradition questioned and asking a lot of critical questions and things like that. So Lindsay actually opened my eyes to a lot of this. I had also was curious, just like your wife and you are. And that's where I sought Lindsay and BirthFit out, you know, a handful of years ago um and that opened my eyes to things so yeah it was um it's really cool to also talk about this with her because i learned a lot of what i know from from her and from what she studied um which also came from like hey i want to know more and her kind of pondering and being like hey why isn't this information out there for people so um yeah it's really cool that we get to talk about this with those who are in that position we're expecting and we want to know more information but like where the heck do we start
1: Yeah. And I'll add that Leah's like our program director and the programming side of things. So all the fitness things, like she's pretty humble. She won't say that, but um, (laughs) like she wears that hat too. Um, Yeah. For those of you like starting, it's a really big, fat, intimidating world of... um, Like trying to decipher between information and what's misconceptions, what works for you, what doesn't work for you, all that stuff. So, like, I'm sure, like, you as new parents, you're like, oh shit, we're pregnant. Now what? Like, who do we go to? And then all of a sudden, especially when um, people start seeing a growing belly, everybody has opinions. And, um, they may not go with, uh, your opinions or your beliefs or your value system. And so that's like the hard thing. And the, within this parenthood motherhood transition, it's, you know, kind of an exaggerated or magnified experience on looking at who you are as a person, going back to your values, who you like, what you value as a person, what you value as a couple, what you want, like who and what do you want to be as parents and what do you want to like, you're kind of thinking about like, oh, this legacy I want to live, like give to the next generation and like what kind of beliefs and values do I want to instill in them? And so it's like constantly reevaluating your life through like just 40 weeks, and I say 40 weeks, but it's usually shorter. It's like 20 to 25 weeks before people realize, oh shit, like this is gonna happen whether we like it or not. Um, So, yeah, there's it's a really magnified time of like soul searching, and um, not only that, but you're extremely vulnerable. Um, You are, there's a bit of fear mixed in there, and like you want to do the best thing possible for your kid. And then you got all these freaking opinions coming at you left and right. And then you have to actually decide, Oh, okay. Like, do I listen to the, for like government policy on this? Or do I go with my gut or, you know, all things like that come up. So we can like unpack some of that, but just like give an overview. Like I am in no way (laughs) jealous of the seat that new parents sit in. You know, I observe it, you know, all the time, and it's just like, oh, they, they, there's a big weight on their shoulders and a big weight on their heart, and, you know, most parents are doing the best they can with what they have, and I just want them to remember that, but yeah, there's a lot of deep diving that you got to do <laughs> when you find out you're pregnant, or maybe even before, who knows, but um, yeah, not not envious of that situation, but I'm here. I'm here. Like, um, I think Leah will probably share, like I was her doula and I'm excited to be a part of the experience. Um, but yeah, that's a big one for sure. Don't take it lightly.
0: <laughs> I think it's, it's really cool that both of you are doulas. So that's, that's kind of the main thing that makes this so important is like your information is coming from a place of not only experience, but education at the same time.
2: Mm, yeah. Yeah, and we get, we get the opportunities to see birth in all forms, right? We get to see the hospital birth, we get to see the home birth, the birth center, um, the birth center that ends up being a transfer, the hospital yeah. that ends up being a transfer to the birth center. Like, we've got to see a lot of things. And, you know, as we always say, like, your experiences shape you. And I think for me as a mom, I became a doula before I, you know, years before I became pregnant. And um, it was a really cool opportunity for me because every birth made me a little bit more certain of what I wanted for myself. Um, so, but yeah, there's, you know, it sounds cliche, but no two births are the same. No two pregnancies are the same. And so it's really cool to be able to to remove yourself, like we're not emotionally attached with those that we work with. Sometimes they're friends, sometimes they're family, but we get to take a step back and kind of be that person to hold the space, to walk with them, um, but not projecting our experiences. Like I might want something for them, but that might not be what they want. Mm -hmm. And so the cool thing about being a doula is you're also constantly doing work on yourself and checking your own biases and making sure that you're showing up for them and not for yourself.
1: Amen. <laughs> yeah, amen. Yeah. So,
0: where do you, where is a good place for people to start? Couples, women, uh, to like soak up some good, solid information and and background on s- like just anything from movements to things you shouldn't shouldn't be doing because you hear some people like you've got to be on bed rest, you've got to take it easy you've got to stay home. You don't want to like aggravate anything. It's like this delicate little thing inside of your tummy. And I say tummy and everybody laughs. (laughs) Um, But like it is, it is difficult because you, you can think about it that way or you have the reverse side of that where you have, you know, ladies that go into the gym and they hammer out these workouts and you see them lifting and you're like, you can do anything, ladies, you can do whatever you want, you know, and do all this stuff. So, and then they kind of bicker back and forth, but what, you said earlier, is they're all just opinions. Mm -hmm. So where would you, where would you start in getting some facts and some legitimate information on that?
1: Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll jump in and start and I'll go even further back. Like, um, if you're thinking about conceiving or you and your partners are having the conversation around pregnancy and birth, I would encourage you both, like um, both partners, both mom, dad, whoever's in the game here to explore, like go back and revisit your birth and how you came into this world. And for me, this was a big learning experience. So I've been a doula since um, 2010. I, almost, I was like 2009, no, 2009 is when I became a chiropractor, but 2010 is when I uh, became a doula. and. It was, I did, you know, a handful of births and then I went and explored my birth. And I asked my mom and my dad and then my aunt. And it's so interesting, just, you know, all three of them were there, but my mom recalls the birth a completely different way than my dad does. And then my aunt recalls the birth a completely different way than either one of them. Um, So I would explore that. Um, and then I would also try to get really clear on your values. And I know this is like, not what people want to hear because sometimes this personal development stuff is the really hard stuff. Um, but It it goes a long way into actually diving in and getting clear on your preferences, like your birth preferences and who you want as your provider and who you want or where you want to give birth and how you want that experience to feel and then how you want that postpartum experience to feel. Um, So those would be the two things I would start with is getting clear on your values as an individual, and then as a couple, and then your birth experiences, Um, and for sure, for sure, this will probably bring up tears, Um, it will probably bring up like uncomfortable conversations, but start to embrace uncomfortable conversations, because that's all there is in this motherhood and parenthood transition, Um, and well into the first year postpartum, um I don't know if Leah wants to add anything about preconception but um that's where I started.
2: <laughs> yeah no I think that's huge because you know within any good question I think a good answer is always it depends right so <laughs> you can't determine what information is right and what information is right for you until you know your values And you know what kind of birth that you desire to have, what lines up with your family, your family values. Um, Like, maybe I want something, but my husband wants something totally different. Like, we need to get on the same page. Um, So starting early on with those conversations is so important because that's going to navigate you where it's like, hey, I feel safest in a hospital under the guidance of an OB but I'm also not just going to go to any hospital, any OB and be like, all right, I'm pregnant. Tell me what to do. Like I've done the work to figure out my philosophy, what I want for myself. And now I'm almost in like an interviewing process. Like who meshes with me and one of the most intimate moments of my life, who do I want to be in the room? Who do I want to guide me on this? If I'm going to meet with someone, you know, over the next 40 weeks, um, you know a good amount of times like we need to make sure that we are on the right page and i'm not dreading coming in to see you that you actually care about me and i feel like you care about me i'm not just another one of your patients so i think when you're when you're seeking information for where do i start and where do i get information um those questions are so important that that Lindsay kind of laid out And then I also think it's understanding that so much of parenting and decision-making comes from trusting within. So like knowing your truth, your values, you're going to get science information. You're going to get hippy dippy information. Um, You're going to get the plus, like the full spectrum. And it's not that any of them are hundred percent right or any of them are hundred percent wrong, but it's going to be what feels best to you and so in birth it we speak a lot to the mother's intuition and like as soon as she's pregnant she has that intuition it's like i'm no longer just making decision for myself something is coming up inside of me and i'm going to trust that that's the right thing to do for my for my baby so we talk about you know What kind of, you know, interventions am I okay with? Am I not okay with what, you know, vaccinations, what am I okay with? What am I not okay with? Those are all things where it's like, Hey, before I was pregnant, I might've been a hundred percent. This is what I want. But now that I have this baby inside of me, something's coming up and telling me that it doesn't feel right. And so that's going to encourage you to explore more information And then the last thing I'll say there is also always kind of taking the best arguments on both sides and determining what feels the best to you. And so there's a great um, evidence-based birth puts out some great information because it's just information-based. It's not fear-based. It's not do this, don't do this. Um, But there's great information in there where you can read research and data and case studies, and you can kind of determine like what's coming up for me and, you know, in my heart, in my brain, in my body, does this feel like the right decision? Or do I feel like someone's pushing me this way? Do I feel like I'm making this decision out of fear? So that's not giving you like a clear answer of like go to this place and get this book and it's gonna give you the answers, but it really goes back into finding those values, knowing your truth and what you and your family want, and then receiving the information that lines up best with what's coming up for you.
1: Mhm. Mm-hmm.
0: The fear-based thing is interesting, especially with like with now, like the times that we're in, and all the negative stuff and the preaching about fear about everything. Like, just yeah, everything yeah. is fear, 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 and people seem to be drawn so crazy to this fear. Like, so everything is advertised and promoted as fear, whether it's to cover your own butt or whatever it is. Like a doctor telling you you can't move or you Mm -hmm. shouldn't move, or I can't suggest that you move, like, whatever it is, Um, but that is something that's, how do you decipher between the, like, what is fearful, and what is okay and healthy?
1: Yeah, well, I would say, um, you know, for one, fear is a big motivator, and there's a lot of fear if you just kind of step back and look at advertising and marketing in general, like just across the board, um, it's very fear-based, and so when you get scared, you start reacting from this this primitive brain. And um, you know, on the simplest terms, like we have a very primitive brain, and we have this thinking brain up front. For one, you know, we want in birth we want the primitive brain, but for all these like critical thinking, critical decisions we don't want to make those decisions in this primitive brain. We want to make them with our thinking brain. Cause that's kind of what sets us apart as humans. We're able to like have a choice or at least recognize that we have a choice and decipher it. And we have language and we have free will and all this stuff. But um, if you just kind of take a step back, you'll start to notice how much fear there is on the news, how much fear there is in like a like marketing campaign, even in magazines or newspaper or whatever. Um, And even when you go to the doctor, um, they'll like, and they're not, in their defense, this is kind of how they were programmed and conditioned in medical school, you know, on that scarcity fear-based victim mindset. And if you think back, that's pretty much how most of our society has been conditioned um in this fear-based victim mindset and like one of the things we like to say is okay receive the information take a pause and we're going to make a decision out of love and not fear so when you're able to get to that place of love where you're loving yourself and maybe you have to say like sometimes i have to say to myself lindsay i love you like five times out loud before i can actually make a decision but like it it allows you um, like a space between that stimulus and response to act rather than react. And I think that's, um, you know, really important in pregnancy, but also like, as you get closer and closer to birth, like actually labor and birth, then you start to see this fear game play up even more, especially if you're in um, you know, Western medicine setting, like the hospital or working with midwives that are in a hospital. And like some phrases that'll come up is like, Oh my God, your baby's measuring big, or, um, we don't want to have a stillbirth or we don't want the placenta to stop working. And so there's these little plugs that like, we've had a normal pregnancy all the way through, like Heart rates checked out. Mom's blood pressure's great. Everybody's healthy. Green flags all around. And then all of a sudden we get to 39 weeks, or we get to 40 weeks, and all of a sudden we're going to drop some lines like that. So that's just like planting these fear things in people's heads. And then you're like, oh shit, we might as well induce because stillbirth. And that's that's the the only word you hear, you know. Um, So I think the more you can practice stepping back and observing and creating that space to make decisions like it's a practice and that will carry over into the labor and birth setting. But if you haven't practiced that at all, you know, even on the simplest side of things like walking into the grocery store and, you know, trying to collect yourself and um, you know, how you interact with the people behind the cash register or the people at the coffee shop. If you haven't practiced any of that, then that's certainly not going to show up in birth and you're going to go to what your default is, which probably is making decisions out of fear instead of love. If that makes sense.
0: No, it, I mean, it makes perfect sense. Um, and it's a difficult thing because the, I like, I like the way you explained it of, of the gut intuition, like, like how you're feeling versus the fear. Am I doing this because I think it's right? Or am I doing it because I'm scared of the outcome?
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's like always, so with always questioning, it's like, Hey, if that like red flag popped up that like, Hey, don't exercise, don't pick up anything over 20 pounds and don't get your heart rate above, above 140. And like, just to take a step back and be like, does that even make sense? Yeah. Because, you know, and if I do none of that now, but then I go into labor, like my heart rate's going to get above 140. Um, You know, labor is not easy. It's going to be tough. So yeah, don't exercise for the next nine, 10 months, but then go into one of the biggest workouts of your life. And Mm. then not only have you not picked something up over 20 pounds but hey in two weeks I need to see you back here for a visit and you're going to be carrying your baby in the car seat and you're going to be lifting it in and out of the car like does that even make sense and you know maybe you asked that question and to you it does make sense but I mean those were the things for me when I didn't even really know much about this whole world where I was like this just doesn't make sense to me and this doesn't match up with my lifestyle and then it came into like We put so much trust into somebody that has letters behind their name because they went to more schooling than us. And I'll be the first to tell you like a doctor in the right setting knows a lot more than me in that setting. I'm not discrediting that, but we also know that, you know, a hospital and medicine is for the sick Mm -hmm. and pregnancy is not a state of sickness. So if I have a healthy pregnancy, low risk pregnancy, like, I don't need to go into that space to receive help, because I'm sick, I just need to give birth. And we can do that in a very natural way that honors the processes that have happened for, you know, as long as we've been on this earth. And so (laughs) I think one thing to note there, too, is like Lindsay said, they're like, as a doctor's doing the best they can with the information they have. But we also have to understand that they're also learning from outdated textbooks and information has evolved. And before it gets into the next textbook, it's already old information. Um, And one thing to note, which I think is just wild is the medical textbooks that they're still using are a version of what was written in a hundred years ago, 1920, when a middle-aged white male decided like, Hey, I'm going to write a book on pregnancy. And prior to that, like granny midwives were, were doing most of the births and women, you know, less than 5% were giving birth in a hospital and we didn't have these interventions. And then comes, you know, someone who's like, Hey, I could write a book on how we should actually give birth. And here's a list of interventions that'll make it go a little bit more seamlessly. We can save the woman from going through this, if we do this instead. And so say that's 1920 we're in 2020. We just have a trickle down, evolved version of that. But the information and the basis of that information, the lens that it was put in there, is from that same place. So a doctor is learning from that lens. And like I said, it's not to say that it's entirely wrong or entirely right, but there's more to it. And so it's asking those questions. I'm not going to put my trust 100% in something that I know there could be more to it, or there could be a different answer or a different way of thinking. And that's kind of how I navigate or encourage folks to navigate that information of like, Hey, you heard it. It's not sitting right with you. Like what makes more sense to you and like follow that.
0: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I would have, and, and to your point, I I definitely do not dog doctors because they're doing their job. Like 100% I'm, I'm all on their side when I say this, but at the same time, like when you said you're not as educated as them on the, on the like medical side and the they, they fix the problems, they fix the issues. They're not as qualified as you, I would go this far to say, as to preventative measures before you even get to that fearful thing. So like the exercising part, you guys, you've lived it, you've seen it, you've studied it, you're more experts on that part of the process than they would be.
1: Yeah. And I'll even add that you are the expert of your own body. Nobody knows your better, your body better than you do. And like Leah touched on a little bit, like giving power away. I think we live in a society that puts power anywhere else, but ourselves or puts ownership anywhere else. Like puts ownership, puts responsibility, puts power outside of ourselves and just on a personal note, like when I hit rock bottom in my life, that's when I had to own up. Like I had to own my actions, own my consequences, own all the shit that I did and start to rebuild from there. So I think, you know, it's just kind of a symptom of the society we live in is, you know, that, oh, here, save me, take take away my power. But hey, like, honey, nobody's coming to save you. Like you got to save yourself. Um, and nobody knows your body better than you do. So if the gut in like the, your intuition says something is off, something is off for sure. Listen to that.
2: Yeah. And it's like, it's a total team effort too. like, you're there navigating the team, but your team is put in place to support you. And so that's why, like one of our pillars is connection because we live in this mindset that like, you can only do it this way. If you're seeing an OB, only listen to your OB and do it that way. If you're seeing a midwife, only do it that way, whatever. But we're like, you need a team and one person like a like Usain Bolt's 100 100 meter sprint coach probably isn't his strength and conditioning coach, right? Somebody probably knows a little bit more. Or his sprint coach is probably not his nutrition coach. And so in pregnancy, it's the same thing. We tend to want to get all of our information from one source, but that's not what they specialize in. So like some of the work that I do locally is like, I want to meet more OBs. I want to meet more midwives so that they don't have to say, don't work out or don't do this. I want them to understand like, Hey, I've done the work, I've done the research, I understand this. And I want to work with your clients, because it's going to make a better birth experience for them. But it's also going to be an easier experience for that OB, and it's going to lower the cesarean rate, and they're going to have more ease in labor and, you know, all of these things. But I'm, I'm also not a chiropractor. So I'm going to tell you when something hurts, I'm not going to say, like, do this stretch and call it a day, right? I'm going to say, hey, this person specializes in Pregnancy and pediatrics and chiropractic, and like they know all of those things. I'm not gonna pretend to, but I know enough to say you should go see them. And so that's a really cool thing, too, is like the birthing person is the navigator, but their team is working for them. And as like, if I'm their doula, I'm giving different information than if I'm their coach. And if Lindsay's their chiropractor, she's giving different information than their midwife or their OB. But when we're all working together as a team, this mom feels empowered now. Cause she's like, this is what feels right. My team is supporting me. We're all on the same page. And she's going to walk into labor and birth. Like, Let's freaking do this! Like I feel so supported. I have the best team ever. Versus walking into it being like, this is what I want, but this is what they're telling me, and this is where I feel pushed to, and I feel like like I don't have a say in this because ultimately in birth, like you are the main one that has the say. Like you get to make the decisions. Nobody's making them for you.
0: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Oh, and I look at like what you said is like, oh, it's a, it's crazy cool because you're that puts you as the as the mom or future mom in control of like you're like the manager of a team or a head coach and you're like I'm gonna pick my the best players that I want on the field playing for me at this time or you know you're going into battle you want the best soldiers that are going to be with you at the same time on the flip side that the reason I would think it'd be hard for people to accept that is if they do that they're accepting the responsibility of the outcome
1: exactly yeah but i would say like like leah's touched on earlier is like no birth is the same um we're all on our unique journeys in life and we all have these wonderful learning lessons that we came here earth side to learn whether you believe that or not but um there's unique journeys happening everywhere and one of the things I always tell my doula clients is, at some point in this transition, you're going to be fa- face. You're going to have to face the hardest decision of your life, and that could be, you know, maybe at 36 weeks, baby still breech, and you got to decide if you want to go for a vaginal breech birth, or you want to go for a cesarean, or you want to skip all that and just say, wing it, like, let's go into labor and show up at the hospital. Like, those are decisions you got to make. And so, you know, for me, that it's not going to be my hardest decision. My hardest decision shows up somewhere else, some in a different way. But I guarantee at some point within this, this motherhood transition, this parenthood transition, going to be faced with the hardest decision of your life and that's why it's really important to know what's going on in here Mm -hmm. and your values and like your north star your compass how to navigate that um because that's where you got to make those decisions from Um, yeah and it could and i'll give you some examples like breech baby how do we deliver a breech baby um you know that's a big one that parents have to make because we live in this society that's kind of like scared of breach, vaginal breech births, and it's just based on one study, one um, term breech trial that happened in 2000 in Canada. And since then, that research study has been debunked. But all the the since then the OB/GYNs doctors in school they have not been taught the skill of delivering vaginal breach. So now we're going back and trying to, the older generation, we're trying to get them to teach the younger, newer generation of how to deliver vaginal breach births. So that's, you know, in a nutshell, if anybody wants more information on breach, go watch the documentary Heads Up. You can get it on um, the internet, headsup.com. But that's one example. Another example may be... um, you know, maybe you're a fitness instructor and you identify so much with your identity, your body. And then all of a sudden, maybe there's, um, you've, your doctor has told you, you have, um, complete placenta previa. And, um, that means the, uh, the placenta is completely over the cervix. So it's like blocking the door on the way out. Um, if there's complete placenta previa, then there's no other way out, but a cesarean. And so that may crush your dreams of this, um, you know, natural birth or this home birth or this, um, it may crush body dreams and recovery and all that stuff. Um, so that's a big decision. Um, another thing may be something on the other side, like maybe during birth, um, mom experienced um, some pelvic floor injury that has tears or, um, you know, maybe a prolapse. And so now on the other side, she's trying to decide how to recover. And so those are big decisions there. Um, Decisions around breastfeeding, all of this is like huge. Um, So it's definitely going to challenge who you are at your core
2: for sure.
1: Um, And I
2: think you can't attach your, your self-worth to your birth. Like mm. ultimately, we have control of a lot of things. Like we can do all the things and check all the boxes to lead us towards the birth that we desire. But ultimately like that part is out of our control. Yeah. And I think what's cool. And, and one thing that I've heard that's always stuck to me is like, you will have the birth that you were meant to have. Mm-hmm. And for some of us, that's hundred percent different than the birth that we dreamed and that we imagined. But what happens when we do the work, because birth is traumatic, whether it happens exactly like you want it or radically different than you want it. Like it's a traumatic, huge transitional experience. And you have to do work from that. But I think when you do the work, say I had a birth that I, I planned for intentionally, I did all of the things and then I got there and things ended up totally different. Like, it doesn't mean that you failed or that you didn't succeed, but it means, hey, God, the universe, like, whatever it is, put this in your life because you needed it. And then part of doing the work is determining, like, how did I grow from this? What did I need? What did this expose in me? Um, And I often see things come up in pregnancy where it's like, hey, I'm feeling some like crazy energy or maybe it's body pain. Maybe it's just tension. Maybe, you know, something just feels off. And a lot of times that's like past trauma, past experiences that are coming up. Like we haven't worked through them yet. Mm-hmm. And you're going through this tra- transformation and this transition and your body and like the divine is bringing this up so that you can do the work so that you can do what you need to do with your birth. But if we don't deal with those things ahead of time, they will come up in birth. They will come up in postpartum, like they're going to come up. And so we talk about surrender and birth, but this whole motherhood parenthood transition is so full of tr- of surrender. And that's <laughs> so hard to do. And we can be aware of it, but actually going to the place of surrender is the toughest and bravest thing you can do but if we don't go there like we don't we don't come like the baby doesn't come right like we have to go to surrender to have a baby but in order for us to work through a lot of these things it's a surrendering process and we can continue to suppress as long as we want but they're going to come up so I say that to give peace of mind that if you had a birth that you didn't plan on or it went different like look at it as more of an opportunity to grow from what that was put in your path to show you. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think that's also goes back to what Lindsay talked to in the beginning is digging into like how you were brought into the world. Mm -hmm. Um, and like, I didn't even think about this stuff, but some of the first questions providers ask you is how was your mom's birth and did she go into labor on her own and this and that? And I was like, I don't even know that. And I had to ask my mom and she's like, well, I had C section with your brother, so I didn't even wait to go on labor. We just scheduled it with you, and I'm like, Was I breastfed? No, we were on formula right away. And you know, like, I had learned all this information, I was like, You mess me up. <laughs> <I didn't, laughs> That's what I, I thought, just, too. Give me a <laughs> chance. Um, but it also let me know that, like, hey, I don't know if my mom would have gone into labor with me or if she would have needed to be induced, but I'm not gonna base my experience on her experience, but I'm also going to learn from that experience. And I know what I want to do different, or maybe what I feel like would be the better choice for me and my family. So, um, all that to say is like, yes, your birth outcome is heavy and it's going to force you to work through some things, but it, there's no failure in how you bring your baby earthside. Like the baby is the boss, the universe, God, whatever is the boss. You are kind of the vessel that they go through, mm-hmm. but Um, it's all for a reason. And that should be more of an empowering thing than like a failure thing.
1: Yeah. There's no right and wrong in this game. There's no succeeding or achieving or failure. Like you got to get that out of your head during this for sure.
0: I think that is the tough, that's the tough part right there, especially is the succeeding and failure. So that kind of leads me into like the thought that I had of, you know, so my wife's working out. Right. And she's doing pushups and she starts to feel a little funky. So she goes to her knees and then she's like, Hey, this is feeling a little bit tender right now. It's okay to keep moving if she feels good in a movement, but just modify the whole entire movement or something. Um, and instead of just stopping for that reason, yeah. you know, it, and, and that sort of thing, but decide like, so to your point saying there's not a right or wrong, it's not wrong for her to keep moving. It's just changing it up on the fly on how she feels. Is that the best way you would describe that? Or am I totally off base?
1: No, I would say, um, yeah, I was going to talk about movement a little bit because we haven't even talked about that. But um, yeah, so many people come to us and they're like, okay, what exercises should I do? and What should I avoid? And Leah's, answer from earlier is it depends <laughs> um, so back whenever i started the birth fit blog i was looking for it, like books on exercise and fitness in pregnancy there there were none there was one and the one book is exercising through your pregnancy by james clapp and that's now over 20 years old and it has um, majority of it has to do with endurance, not strength training, not body weight exercises, nothing like that um but great re- like tons of research on um you know, just the benefits for mom and baby, so I will add like um you know, pregnancy is the ultimate expression of health for a woman if you, like think about that for a moment there life would not be happening within that woman's human body if she was not healthy if she could not like if she could not keep a child so it's not a fragile state it is the ultimate health expression um so if we could just get that out of our heads in the american society that pregnancy is fragility it's the opposite um she's like a superhero um and by the end of yeah. Like we'll all witness this. And by the end of pregnancy, because um, her oxygen and energy stores and everything's adapted, she's almost operating like an Olympic athlete that has been doping the whole time. She's not doping, but you know, I, one of my clients was an extremely fit firefighter and I would work out with her um, once a week. And she would smoke me at the end of pregnancy and not even break a sweat and you know it was different things like imams um intervals things like that but she's like Lindsay, what are you doing and i was like i'm breathing heavy over here like hold on um so yeah pregnancy is the ultimate state of health um and What I will say is, um, you know, whenever I was going trying to find research, there was none. And um, I would ask midwives, I would ask OB-GYNs, and the general consensus was what Leah mentioned earlier, don't get your heart rate above this, don't lift over this. And that initially struck me as like, wait, what? Um, Like that does not make any sense because automatically within the first, you know, two weeks of birth, a mom is going to be asked to lift 35 pounds minimum um, just to carry the baby, carry her handbag, carry, um, you know, the car seat, put the, and she's having to move. She's having to bend over, put baby down somewhere, grab something in the house, do something. Um, And so that just didn't make any sense to me. Um, And so whenever I started diving into this, and then right about the time, this time um crossfit was taking off and um then you would see the extremists like um you know all the all the extremes get put on the news like the extreme ultra runner or the triathlete or the swimmer or the crossfitter and that's what you see and then you're like oh my god she's endangering her baby like i had an ultra runner that ran every day in her pregnancy and she ran probably 10 miles and then gave birth the next day. And then this was very early on. We don't allow running within the first 12 weeks postpartum now, but she was ready to go within six days of having a baby. And I was like, I don't know, but I probably wouldn't run 10 miles, maybe two. Yeah. Um. So that's what you see in the news and it's very sensationalized, but long story short, what I, realized, and, um, you know, I was lucky enough to have a chiropractic office in one birth center on the West side of LA and a Cairo office in a birth center on the East side. So I was constantly surrounded by birth. And what I learned was that that's what the midwives and the OB-GYNs, that's what they feared was this extreme. That's, that was, they were making decisions based on fear around fitness. Mm-hmm. And Most of the time when they got, let's say a runner or a triathlete or, um, an extremely fit, super crossfitter, um, and they, this would be their excuse, their pelvic floor is too tight or their muscles are too tight. And it's like, hold on, pump your brakes. Long story short, like what I realized was, okay, that could be, but Maybe somebody hasn't taught these people how to actually surrender and meditate and visualize and relax, trust in their body. Maybe they've only trained in one plane of motion as for runners or cyclists or spinners. Like if they're training in the sagittal plane motion the entire time, that's not gonna carry over very well into birth because birth happens in all planes of motion. Life happens in all planes of motion. Um, so for sure, their hip flexors are going to be tight and that's going to alter the position of their pelvis and influence the front of the pelvic floor. Um, so those were things that I started uncovering. And one thing that we do in birth fit is like, we train in all planes of motion. Um, we train sagittal, coronal, like, uh, transverse and we embrace full range of motion. So when you're talking about pushups earlier, pushups are going to go because belly's in the way, like it's it's not comfortable and it's, it's going to gravity, it's going to weigh you down. So then we move to elevated pushups. We want the full range of motion and the priority is always going to be on a neutral spine during pregnancy and the early postpartum because that's where we come from the rehab world so neutral spine meaning rib cage stacked on top of a pelvis and we're not like our pelvis is here and it's not dumping the water out the front or dumping the water out the back so if we're you know in an elevated position for a push-up and we can maintain this neutral spine then we can still go all the way chest to the ground or chest touches the bench or chest touches the chair or whatever, then we're going through the full range of motion while bringing the ground closer to us, if that makes sense. Um, So yeah, some of the things we think about are strength, balance, range of motion, um, endurance, and stamina. Because... We don't know if birth is going to be three hours and we don't know if birth is going to be three days, but um, you got to train all three energy pathways. You got to train, train the aerobic as well as the glycolytic and phosphagen um, energy systems within the body. Because if you're giving birth and you know it's been three days of labor and then all of a sudden you got to push, for sure you need some of that um, glycolytic, phosphagen energy systems happening there. Like, that would be like, oh, okay, you want me to lift, uh, you want me to do a one rep max deadlift? Cool, I can do that now. Because um, that's kind of like what it might feel like then. Um, so, yeah, there's not a ton of information out there. The, um, the information I was uncovering at first was very fear-based, um, scare tactics. Um, like, there's one midwife in Los Angeles that only said walk, that's all you can do. And I was like, "Okay, I love walking, but that does not make any sense um, then the heart the heart rate stuff, and I tried to uncover where the heart rate like the number came from, and the closest I could get to um researching that misconception was that it was done by an act like a male acupuncturist somewhere and um at a conference, and that was as far as I got it was like a dead end there, and then same thing like most of what i started uncovering was that people were asked questions and they were afraid to say i don't know and so they just set a blanket statement and i think that's you know it still happens today people are like oh yeah yeah yeah, just don't do, do this and do that just say if you don't know the answer say i don't know let me try to find it for you um and so i think that's what we do a really nice job of at birthfit whether it's a birth fit coach or a professional or you know if we're digging in um on a blog like hey this is what we got but again this is the best of the information that we can find and you know you're gonna still you're gonna have to make your own informed intuitively guided choice but this is what's out there you know
2: yeah there's not much research in women's health in general (laughs) and when you're taking that even further to like women's health in pregnancy it's like nobody wants to touch it right like hey I'd love to know about like, I have an ice bath in my backyard. Can I get in that when I'm pregnant? It's like, who's going to touch that study? Like Nobody's going to
1: study pregnant because it's unethical.
2: Yeah. So it's like, we have to kind of guide what makes sense. And I think what BirthFit does really well within our program is we haven't, like, we're not reinventing the wheel. We're using fitness. We're using exercise, general fitness. Like we're not making up new things but we are tailoring our intentions to like in prenatal period, we're training for birth. Mm -hmm. We're no longer training for this competition for, um, for sport, for, you know, aesthetics we're training with an end goal in mind. So for a lot of athletes, I think they're afraid to do like a pregnancy centered program because they think you're going to take all this stuff away from me. I'm going to lose this. I'm going to lose that. And it's like, Hey, this is no different than you training for your, you know, your meat at the end of the year, whatever it is that you're training for. Now you have this intentional window, like nine ish month window where like the end goal is birth Mm -hmm. and month one, month two of training for something nine months off is going to look different than month seven and month eight. And so all that we've done within birth, it has taken all the things Lindsay said, different planes of motion, um, different aerobic capacities um you know just making sure like balancing compensations moving through full range of motion and taking this and making it into a program that's taking you through this process to great game day because I can't tell you how often I'll see like hey this position's not working we need to open the pelvis baby's a little bit more stuck on one side like I need you to bring one foot forward get in a lunge to push baby out Mm -hmm. and it's like hey if I haven't trained this like my hip flexors are tight. I have no idea how to do this. Like, but I'll see someone who's like gone through the whole process and they're like, cool, leg up, let's go. Let's push this baby out. Right. Or, you know, recently at a birth, it was, um, you know, like they were in water and baby got the head out, but didn't want the rest of the body to come out. Shoulders were a little stuck. And the midwife was like, Hey, I'm going to need you to get out of the water because she needed to just assist. Right. And, it's not easy to get in and out of a tub with a baby's head in between your legs. Right? <laughs> I thought she was going to box jump out of the water. She's like, okay, like right to the floor, like out of the tub. And it's just really cool as a coach who teaches this to like watch how it translates in birth. And it's like, they didn't have to think about it. They didn't have to go to their thinking brain. They just trained for the past nine months. So when this came up, it was natural for them. Um, And it's the same. It's just as intentional on the postpartum side, right? Now we're not training in season for anything. We have- basically a season of healing and we're going to rebuild and we're going to repair and we're going to establish a new foundation but it's no different than training with any other end goal we just have to get in the mindset that like hey we are training for this specific life event and i think that's where birthfit does something different than anyone else is it's like you're still going to do all the things that you love to do we're just going to get really specific into this window of your life
0: yeah I don't think I've ever like I haven't I've never heard it say, so I can say like from Mike like what I've read and gone over is that I've never heard it explained that way where you're trained for birth everybody's always considering it training so that they can stay skinny after birth no is that, like that's that's yeah. what I hear the most that's that's the attitude you hear the most about that
2: yeah that's a whole other podcast <laughs> <laughs>
1: I mean, that's a, it's like kind of what society is programmed in our heads and, you know, oh, let's get it, let's bounce back. Let's get our pre-baby body back. Sorry, but that body does not exist. We're not going to get that back. We're an evolved version of ourself. Um, and, you know, for me, like I used to work in the Olympic training world. And what amazed me was that these people would train four years for like a 100 meter sprint or a long jump or freaking 10 seconds of their life 20 seconds of their life and that's when it started clicking for me was like we have you know maybe 30 weeks of training and let's let's shift the mindset like they train mind body and soul for the olympics like you at like um i used to work with um some sprinters and um, I was about to reveal their name, but we can't, like HIPAA. Um, they would my like they would watch everything they put into their body as far as nutrition, sleep. They would do visualizations. They would pay attention to the freaking shoes they wear when not on the um, on the track or not on the court or whatever. And so, with that kind of detail, it's like okay, let's bring that kind of intention over into the motherhood transition into the parenthood transition, because it is a full body experience. It is a transformation. It will influence everything else after that. Um, you know, whether, whether you want it to or not. Um, and so that's kind of like where that came from was, Hey, we're training for birth, mind, body, and soul and it's a holistic approach to this this rite of passage
2: yeah
0: so to go along with everything that we've kind of talked about cuz i i feel like we could have probably have like a 100 podcasts just on this <laughs> alone cuz it's like there's so many different topics and subjects to go with but how does somebody like me from my side where i mean i'm not the one with the baby in my tummy right <clears throat> i'm not the one growing it like how do i support this sort of like her making decisions and to keep moving and like, where do I come from? And that sort of standpoint to help me. Cause Leah, when she was on the podcast last time, she said something that really made me rethink about like, take a step back and like, okay, I need to really think about how I answer this, how I go about it. Cause my intentions are good, but the way it comes out is not working mm-hmm. um, or may not work. So <clears throat> how would somebody like myself help out in, helping her find out what's good for her and what she, you know, those sort of decisions, like what feels good to her?
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll jump in first and then Leah can probably share a bit from her experience is, um, you know, whenever I'm working with clients, what I say is like mom's going to be uber focused on baby and I need partner focused around moms so that she can focus on baby. So it's like, partner is protecting the cave, protecting the space. you're protecting the birthing parent. whereas the birthing parent is all about that baby. Um, so it's like this beautiful, I guess circle or bubble that encompasses another circle or bubble. Um, so if you can kind of visualize that, that helps, especially when you're in like the birth scene and maybe you're at the hospital or the birth center like getting the space all ready, protecting the space, you're the one that's allowed to use your thinking brain now. Mom, birthing parent, is not allowed to use their thinking brain. They got to go inside their body and they got to learn the dance, the rhythm of labor and birth. Um, That said, what I will say is communication is huge. Um, You both are having this experience and it's not at all the same. Um, it never will be the same. You're both at this dinner table, and even though you're eating the same food, maybe you're drinking the same bottle of wine, maybe you're you have the same waiter, you're having completely different experiences at this dinner table. So if their your fears, your desires as a partner are legit, one hundred legit. So, maybe, and this happens a lot. Um, I get partners that are like, Lindsay, can you just talk to my wife? Or can you just talk to my partner? Like, I want to have a birth center birth, but she doesn't, or I want to have a hospital birth, but she does or whatever, you know, they're not lining up on something. Um, and it's got to involve a conversation and it's got to involve a conversation from not an emotional space. That's um, tough. So, it's so tough. So what I would do, especially either person is like, you know, you, maybe you recognize like, Oh shit. Okay. I have this fear. And I'm thinking of one of my couples in particularly, um, he had, um, a baby brother pass away. And so he was very fearful of childbirth just in general, even though his baby brother didn't pass away in childbirth for some reason that kept coming up for him. Um, but he didn't want to say that to his wife, his wife. And I get why he didn't want to say it, but like keeping something in is never, never a good idea. Um, so getting clear on how you, what your fear is, how you want to communicate this. And maybe that's you working with an outside therapist. Maybe that's you, um, connecting with the midwife or the OB guy and saying, Hey, how to like, what's the best way, or I have questions around this. Can you help me out with like, what are the risks and benefits here? Um, and then bringing that to the table and, you know, saying to your partner, Hey, I really would like to discuss something. Um, this is kind of the subject matter. When is a good time to discuss that? You know, and this is like relationship skills we could all use, but, um, asking them if you could discuss something around a certain subject and when is a good time, are you open to discussing that? they may say no. <laughs> they may say, nope, I'm not open to discussing that. And then you got to figure out how to work it out somewhere else in your head. Um, maybe with somebody else. But if they, more times than not, they will say, yes, I'm open to discussing that. And so then it gives them time to kind of like let the, emotional, the emotions that are have been charged kind of like fizzle out. Like, even if you give them a prep, like, hey, can we talk about where, like, our birthing location, could we talk about it sometime this weekend? And then maybe she's, like, defensive, but you're saying, I don't even want to talk about it till, till you're ready, you know? When's a good time for you? Um, so then it allows time and space for those emotions to kind of, like, chill out. Um, same thing for the birthing parent, like, if you want to talk to your partner it's really great. Hey, I want to talk about this. When is a good time? Are you open to that discussion? Um, and also I'll say if there's any birthing parents that are listening, if you need something from your partner, I would use the something along the lines of, Hey, this is a need I have. Can you help me with this? Or can you like specifically identifying the need and asking for specific help? Um, goes a long way because your partner cannot read your mind whether you think they can or should or they cannot at all and this is really important postpartum because now the first two weeks are survival mode and both of you are running on no sleep and some everybody's got needs but nobody's needs are being met and maybe it's just like hey I need 30 minutes by myself to drink a cup of tea or a cup of coffee can you can you help me make that happen today and that goes a long way um that's what i would say communication is key i don't know if leah wants to add anything
2: yeah i mean i think communication is always the the winner in this but i think like having a third party someone to help facilitate these conversations like for Me, I had Lindsay as a doula. We would do our consults and she would meet and she would have exercises for us to do or homework for us to do that encouraged it. So it wasn't like, hey, Leah, you need to go bring up this conversation or Asia, you need to bring this up. It was like, Hey, here's an open space. Do you guys want to talk about anything? And then like, here's some things I want you guys to do before we meet next. And so that really helped because there's no defensiveness. There's no like, why is he bringing this up? You know, it's just like, Oh, that makes sense. We need to spend some time together, have these conversations. Um, The other thing that Asia always does that drives me crazy, but it's really effective is, you know, when, you know, when, when you want to share something because, and coming from a place of like, I really care about her, I need her to hear this and not just go on the defense, always asking permission. Like, hey, I see that, you know, you're doing this, this and this. Um, Would you be open to hearing how I feel about it or how I think that it could be better? Um, And I know the cues, like I know what he's doing when he's doing it, but (laughs) instead of him being like, hey, why don't you do this instead? And me being like, well, what's wrong with the way I'm doing it, right? It's like, yes, I'm open to hearing it. And like, I might not have a response right away, but I'm hearing it from a place of openness because he asked permission and I accepted. So I think that's a really big one. And then lastly, like, I just appreciate his, like his respect and his trust in my mother, motherly intuition. Um, and I think he understands that I have things that come up that he doesn't feel like if it's, you know, I'll just use like a polarizing topic. If it's like a vaccine and I'm like, do I want to get this? Do I not want to get this? And like, Hey, what do you think we should do? And he's, we're really big on like, Hey, we'll always come back to our values. Here's like, I have my individual values. He has his individual values. We write those down, but then we collectively come together and here's our values for our family. And so every decision that we make is based on, does it line up with these values? But when it comes specific to that, like I know where his values lie, he knows where mine lie, but I'll come to him and be like, well, what do you think we should do? And like, he's not afraid to say, hey, I'm gonna trust what you think is best in this situation. Now, if I was choosing to do something completely out of line with my values or our values, he would step in. But I really appreciate and it, it forces me to take ownership and again, make a decision from like my truth versus being like, I'm fearful to make this decision. So I want you to tell me what to do. Mm-hmm. And I, I really love that he like almost takes his place on the side of me and not like I'm going to make the decision for you. But like, I'm going to encourage you to make this decision because you have something coming up in you that I don't have. And I think that's a really big one It's just allowing, it's almost like the masculine and feminine thing. Like for this, like we're two very masculine people, but pregnancy and motherhood is such a feminine thing. And I think his masculine side has to let my feminine exist and not just encourage me to go like masculine mode decision making all the time like know what you're going to do like he has to encourage that softer side for me to go to that place so mm-hmm. those are things that have been effective in my personal experience and things that i feel like that's what i like would hope happens in you know other homes or other decision making factors that the partner is willing to step back and just recognize that, Hey, like the mom knows like deep inside, like I know what's right. And I know what I want to do. Um, and I, I can't just rely on his validation of that.
0: Mm-hmm. That, that is probably the best way I've heard it put is, and because the attention coming from is like, not for me to control anything or make any decision. Mm-hmm. It makes it okay to just go, you got to listen to your gut on this but really the most important part what i got out of what you just said is the most important thing i can do is recognize when she steps outside what her values are is to just point that part out
2: mm-hmm. 100% and i think yeah. you know those conversations like we try to have them yearly because values change and then you mm-hmm. become a parent you have a new baby in this world and your values might be totally different But when I can recognize his and he can recognize mine and we know ours collectively, like I don't need to speak up until I see him like living outside of that. Or if a decision we're making together is outside of that, then it's like, hey, we need to have a conversation. But otherwise, I'm going to trust that he knows what's best for him, and he's going to trust that I know what's best for me.
0: Hmm. I don't. Oh, go ahead. ahead. I I was
1: going to say, don't be don't be scared to get a doula. For the whole birth experience because a doula can really enhance um, kind of y'all's relationship and a good doula won't come between the two of you. Like I remember um, with Leah and Asia, like I would step in and then Asia would watch me and then the next, the next contraction, he was doing what I was doing and I was back. Like Asia's a quick learner. Like I'll give him that, but um, like freak freakly like a quick learner but um it's like okay like yes this makes my job easier but um yeah being able to just observe and then pick it up and go with it go with the flow and you could tell so much during birth that he trusted he had so much trust in Leah and was just like i'm ready whenever you need me however you need me you know
2: and Which that's I what i needed was. from him mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. hey don't talk to me. Don't try to cheerlead. Like, I just need to know you're there and that, you know, I can do it and I'm good. And so like, that's, that's where the doula comes in. Is like, you know, part of our homework is like, you know, what are your love languages? How are you going to receive help from him best? How is he going to receive from you? Like he needs to know what I need from him and not just sitting there like, should I try this? Should I not? But (laughs) equally, like I need to know like how he's going to feel most supportive. And so just channeling that. And then your doula knows, and she knows like, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to take a step back. Like they have it. Right. So Mm -hmm. like, those are really great things where like, you can support in a way that helps each other out. And it's not just about her, but like, you're also in the picture. And I think a lot of times the partner's like, she's doing the thing. So I like, what can I do? It's like, you can do a lot And a lot can happen by him just sitting next to me. Mm -hmm. um, And like, I know we're on the same page, but I don't need anything specifically from him. So, yeah. Yeah. So powerful. (laughs) Coming from a doula, I still had a doula. Like, you can know all of the things, but when you're that person, you're not in your thinking brain, like, you need that person.
0: A coach needs a coach. That's 100% true.
2: Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Well, this has been fantastic. I let everybody know where they, cause I'm big fans of the birth fit thing. Uh, and by the way, I just got to make this comment. I have been saying, I have been saying since the moment she got, like we knew and we found out, I'm like, you have developed superhuman powers. You can hear everything <laughs> like three houses down. You can smell every, I'll make a sandwich. And she's like, she'll wake up at 4.00 AM. When I'm like, are you making something? I can smell it. I'm like, <laughs> you've got superhuman powers. This is incredible. So you made that post and I shared, I was like, look, see, I was right. (laughs) But let everybody know where they can find out more about BirthFit and the programs and how they can hire you guys and go to seminars and all that good stuff.
1: Yeah. So we were actually going to do a seminar on college station. Um, this year I, I was talking to somebody, but seminars are like not happening right now. Um, we have a virtual summit that is happening, um, June 6th. That's all about postpartum and the cheapest ticket is 39 bucks. If you go to summit.birthfit.com, um, our website is birthfit.com and you can go in there and the blog exists on there, like tons of free information on the blog. Um, we have a Birthfit podcast where you can get tons of free information and then we have online programs. And so what I mentioned earlier, like, um, leah just helped and we just completely redid our postpartum timeline which i could not be more stoked about like um, we have a free 30-day line-in program um, and anybody that signs up for our newsletter gets this program and it's super chill super gentle um like one video a day of like breathing exercises embodiment practices and then they move into the birth at basics postpartum program which is a 30-day program um, all about body weight movements and um, connecting with your breath and connecting with the stability breath and basically how to stabilize and move starting with body weight stuff before adding load adding volume any of that and then you go into the birth fit postpartum training which probably starts to look a little bit more like training that people are used to um, and that's a three-month 12-week thing and um, then they can join the B community is what we've been calling it the B exclamation community for just general strengthening conditioning but um, we have a prenatal program we have other little small programs we have a postpartum meal prep program that's pretty amazing Um, yeah I don't know am I missing anything Leah
2: um, I think you covered it yeah I mean there's a, a plethora of knowledge that's free. Yeah. So get on, like, yeah. if you have a question, I typically say, if you have a question, type in that question and attach BirthFit to it, and a blog's going to pop up. Like, mm-hmm. can I lay on my back while pregnant, BirthFit? Mm-hmm. Um, can I exercise <laughs> while pregnant, BirthFit? That's a really great way to just start with information. So if you're just looking for some some good information, the BirthFit podcast, obviously, and then, um, like, following BirthFit on Instagram, um, mm-hmm. you know, there's constantly drops there. But the summit anyone who's going to be postpartum, is newly postpartum, or you're supporting someone postpartum, the whole theme of summit is postpartum this year. And there's some really great stuff and speakers on there, too. So um, that's coming up. And since we're all in the virtual world, anyways, what else do <laughs> we have to do, right? <laughs>
0: No, that's super awesome. I did not know you guys were doing that. That's really, really cool idea and super affordable at $39, like I had to say. And that's not like a sales pitch towards towards anything. I expected more. So that's like, ooh, that's awesome.
1: I mean, the live experience was definitely more because it was three days. Everybody flew in, but we we made the call in March. We're like, oof, we got to change this.
0: I think that was like, like – coming like from the outside in that's a good call because it's virtual you're still live but you're not in person Mm -hmm. so you make it like according to the times i like it i dig it um (laughs) very awesome all right oh don't forget don't you have another podcast that you do too do you do the coffee talk is that you
1: oh oh i have a personal instagram Lindsay underscore k underscore matthews and then every day i post a coffee talk kind of wording on there you're like the i swear like i've had four people in the last week be like can i get that coffee talk podcast link i'm like it doesn't exist but uh, (laughs) (laughs) i think whenever the book comes out i'll do a short coffee uh, coffee a short podcast to go along with it like 10 to 20 minutes um just kind of like uh unpacking some of the the stuff that's in there We'll see what happens. But for now, it's just on my Instagram.
0: Awesome. Perfect. That's what I needed to know. Thank you so much for being on. I really appreciate yeah, it.
1: Yeah, you too, for having us. Awesome. Yeah.
0: Thank you so much for joining me on this episode of the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. I hope you got a lot of information out of it. Thank you so much to Lindsay and Leah for being on the show. I really appreciate it and had a blast. And don't forget to support your local brands and businesses that you believe in. Until the next episode, see ya.